Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
be praying for our nation or to heal from this, praying that we find better ways of of helping folks that are that are at some kind of a uh, a breakdown that would cause them to do such an evil thing. I know that I know that a lot of folks uh, are blaming firearms for this, that the firearms are the reason that this happens, but I'll tell you right now that evil doesn't need firearms. Evil can use a rock or a knife or a, a can of gas or a truck filled with fertilizer. Evil is just going to be evil. And I don't know that there's anything we can do to ever stop this. Certainly we could make it harder for for evil in some ways, but the sad truth is is that this is never going to be eliminated. It's never going to be stopped. There was probably a a better chance of things like this not happening in places like uh the old Soviet Union. It was hard to uh it was hard to do some of the things there because uh because they're they lived under such uh, strict rule, <laughs> but there's no way that this is ever going to be stopped. Uh, folks who are determined to do evil for whatever reason it is, they're going to figure out a way to do evil. They're going to burn a house down. They're going to, they're, whatever it is, they're going to figure out a way to do it. So that's uh, the only other thing that I'll say about this. Cause like I said, I don't want to just, I just said I don't want to, I don't want to use this to punch each other in the, in the eye right now. But I will say that that this. Is one of of many recent mass shootings, but there's a big difference between this event and uh, and the one that uh, that could have been the uh, the largest mass shooting in American history at the New Life Church in Colorado six years ago. The main difference is is that that gunman wasn't allowed to continue on with his shooting spree. I mean, he came ready. He came with with, uh, several handguns and and an AR-15 and over a 1,000 rounds of ammunition, but he wasn't able to complete his evil deed because he was confronted by one of the church's armed security members. So that is all I'm going to say about that. All right. <clears throat> if you'd like to call in tonight, uh, you're welcome to do so. The call in number is 347 347- 
Zero. I'd like to thank uh, Poker Face for providing the music, our intro music. Uh, that's Control, Control with a K. And uh, if you'd like to listen to more of their uh, Liberation Revolution Rock, you can go to PokerFace.com and listen to some more of their music there. Maybe buy some of the the music they have for sale. All the guys in PokerFace are great guys. They're great guys. They're great patriots. We spent a lot of time uh, uh, playing music at uh, patriotic events. And they're just some great guys, and they have some great music. So go to PokerFace.com and uh, listen to some of the other music they have there. I want to thank uh, Sam D., my co-host, who uh, shows up here every time that I'm on the radio. He's here, too, and he's uh, on the switchboard right now, ready to take your calls. Uh, He just told me the controls, switchboard controls, are not working. All right, well... uh, Sam, just let me know in a few minutes if they're if they're not working again, and I'll try and. Uh, okay, I see that I, I see some lights coming on there, so I see that you must be talking to somebody. If they're not working, just uh, let me know, and I'll just go ahead and start popping folks on on uh, uh, from my switchboard. If you guys are in the, in the waiting line, don't get excited, don't get nervous, and, and jump off thinking that you're going to have to talk. If I open your mic and, and you just say just you can just tell me you're just listening if you don't want to talk, all right. <clears throat> Anyway, you can uh, call in with any questions or comments you have. Tonight we're going to be talking about our bug-out bags or survival bags. You know, have to be, they don't have to be bugging-out bags. They can just be survival bags. We're going to talk about what uh, should be in your survival bag. Then we'll also talk about uh, continuing with your medical first aid prep, all right? Making sure that you've got all the gear you need, all the supplies you need. And on top of that, is make sure that you are doing everything you can to educate yourself about first aid, okay? Uh, Then uh, near the end of the show, we'll be talking about Appleseed promotions, what you can do to to get the word out about Appleseed to get folks to come to events and, uh, and how you can do a lot of work with just uh, five minutes or less a day, all right? Okay, Uh, Sam, if if you've got the switchboard working or you say you're not sure, I'll just go ahead and uh, start popping some folks on in and see if they want to talk. Area code 606-595, you're on the air. Okay, well, you don't have to talk. You don't have to hang up. I'll just pop you back off. Uh, area code 352-236, you're on the air. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, did you want to talk or you just listen? Well, I started out listening, but if I can't comment on your opening statements about the shooter, uh, shooters, most of these people have been under doctor's care and medication, psychotropic medications. And this last yeah, guy was here, uh, you know, on voices report, in his head. On a recent report, it was showing that uh, uh, 29 of the last uh, 30 mass shootings were taking some type of anti-depression, anti-anxiety drugs. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's uh, pretty close to uh, 
to 100%. Uh, now, do you, any comments or any speculation you would like to make about uh, about the connection? Because I'm not sure that we can, uh, you know, when somebody's taking those types of drugs, it's because normally because they're experiencing some type of anxiety or depression or or something, and uh, and I don't know if that's you know, if that is causing it, you know, if that's if that's accelerating what's happening, or if it's, uh, you know, if it's just uh, uh, incidental information, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, it's a correlation that for some reason the mainstream media is completely ignoring. They're suppressing this information to the general public used to be people who were mentally unsound were put in state institutions and then the Supreme Court declared that they have rights to be crazy being crazy is not against the law and they've turned them loose on the streets so the jails and the homeless shelters have become the respite for you know the crazy people and we can't regulate them but they want to punish everybody else Who's not crazy for the actions of what crazy people do? So, well, more of what I called in on is Appleseed Promotions and plans. Uh, I've been with Appleseed about four years now. I've only gone up to an ITT three, or I, yeah, because that's my level I'm comfortable with. But I gunsmith. Okay. I build a lot of LTRs, and on the back Where of my at? business, I'm in Florida. Ocala, Florida. Florida. Okay. You guys have and, a great program uh, there in Florida. We keep pretty busy uh, with the ammo shortage and, of course, the summer heat. Attendance has been down. But, right. Uh, on the back of my business cards, I have the Rifleman's Challenge, the one-inch square. And, you know, can you hit this, you know, put five rounds in this little square at 25 yards? And if not, we can help. And if you can, have you taught somebody else with the Appleseed webpage below it? And when I go to the range, uh, I hand cards out to everyone I meet and promoting Appleseed. And yesterday I was at the range. I took a liberal son, about 20 years old, to the range. He'd never fired a gun before. He got to play with a couple evil black rifles, one of my M1 Garands and a 1911, and had a great time. And one of my cards... A young lady posted out of 25 meters, and she said, "Hey, Mister, can you show me how it's done?" And we can't get into, <laughs> you know. So, oh yeah, I didn't put your foot in your mouth, Doug. So uh, we can't get any positions there. You're shooting off a bench, and just on one elbow and unsupported, uh, I put my first round about one minute at three o'clock off dead center, and I said, "Well, that's the way you do it. Just repeat four more times." And she said, "Whoa!" So. Uh, hopefully we'll have another, you know, couple attending an apple seed here. Well, that's so. uh, that's always uh, a good reason for you as an instructor to be ready because uh, uh, I've run into that many times of folks saying, well, you, uh, how, can you can you show us? Can you get out yeah. and shoot and show us how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> and if, you, if so. you've been doing what happens to a lot of instructors is that once you start instructing, you're not on the line shooting as much anymore. So some instruct, uh, some folks are not at all because 
the, the time that they would have devoted to shooting, they're now devoted to instructing. So they're not shooting anymore. That's why I always tell my instructors, and when we have uh, events, I always try and rotate the instructors uh, down through the line. Make sure that you stay current on your shooting skills, because it's never going to fail. Somebody's going to say, hey, uh, show us how it's done, and uh, you sure want to be able to do it. So far, uh, I've not ma- I've not managed to uh, embarrass myself yet, and neither have any of my instructors. But uh, that's one of the reasons why we try and we try and keep doing that. Now, yeah. I think that the uh, the uh, one of the other things you can do is while you're there at the range, <clears throat> I always if I go to a different range or something, I'll always take a stack of uh, apple seed targets with me and. Uh, I'll put up some red coats and some uh, AQTs and stuff, and I'll just leave them on the, uh, you know, down on the target line uh, for folks to shoot at. And then, I'm, you know, I'll leave, uh, oh, you know, six, seven, eight uh, in a loose uh, stack there, like on one end of the line or the other, you know, so that folks can uh, can pick them up. I'll take a Sharpie and, and just write on one. Here, take it, you know, take one, try and shoot it. Yep. And, uh, and that's always a good way to... It's a good way to add to your tool bag. You've got to make sure that that's not all you're doing, but it's a good way to add to your tool bag. Now, back to the the news and them not covering the mental aspect of this. Certainly, uh, I mean, that's nothing new because we know that for the most part, uh, almost all of the mainstream media have some form of bias uh, against the shooting community, and where they introduce the fact that, uh, that there are mental health issues and stuff and, and ponder that, then it's going to take away from uh, their true agenda, which is the fact that the rifle itself did it. The, the rifle did, it didn't need any other, uh, any other complication or, or anything else because just the fact that you had a human being and you had uh, an AR-15. That's all it really takes. You have a well, man in this last in this last case, there was no AR-15. There was an 870 yeah, pump shotgun. But that's what they were saying. That's oh yes. That's what they were trying they to, to say for quite a while. They're, they're just disappointed as heck that Biden. it wasn't. They're just disappointed as heck that it wasn't an AR because it ruins their story. It ruins their agenda. Right. So. <laughs> well. Like I said, the best thing we can do right now, I think, is is pray for the the families of everybody. Uh, pray for the family of the shooter too, because uh, obviously, you know, they nobody trains their kids to do that. Nobody raises their kids to do that. Uh, the family is going to be a living hell. They're going to have to shoulder the guilt for their for their child's deeds and. Uh, and it's just it's it's just a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. And I think that uh, one of the things, since we're talking about the mental health issue, one of the things I think we can do is is just uh, is to keep an eye on our friends and uh, and try and 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 watch. Them, and if they seem to be having trouble trying to 
try to give them a hand if you can. Try and encourage them to uh, to seek out counseling uh, because that has been the case with with every one of these guys is that they have all had uh, these mental health issues, and apparently they were all under some type of doctor's care. And uh, I don't know what you can do uh, because I don't want. At the same time, I'm asking you to, to, you know, to keep an eye on your friends and try and help them. I don't want. I'm. I'm not trying to tell people to. Uh, to to become secret police and. Uh, and try and turn their friends in if they're acting strange. You know, everybody acts strange. Everybody. Everybody has, uh, you know, some kind of some kind of strangeness to them. It doesn't mean that they're going to go out and do anything evil. And I don't know, because I don't know all the facts of of, of this case, of, uh, of whether he showed uh, any intentions of doing anything like this, or if he said anything, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that we'll hear more about it as, uh, as the days and weeks go by, but... Like I said, this is it's it's a horrible thing, and I don't know that there is anything you can do to stop it, other than other than somebody being there, ready to stop it themselves. Uh, well, I think many of these things are false flags. This gentleman shot the tires out of a vehicle, which in Florida would be a felony. He shot through his roof or ceiling into the floor of the apartment above him because the neighbor ticked him off. Again, yeah, another felony. They, they dropped those charges and it, and it said that it was a... So, uh, so all, an but all the flags are there. But, all the warnings that everybody tells us to report were there and brought to the attention of police and it was let go. I've heard reports that a trained SWAT team in active shooter response was prevented from going into the naval yard once fatalities were up to two, and ten people's lives could have been saved, but they weren't allowed to go in there. So the body count wasn't high enough to meet the agenda of the people on the left to, to have another opportunity to take advantage of. I mean, Eric Holder's famous words, never let a crisis go to waste. With right. only well, two people, it wasn't I'm a not, big enough crisis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope that that's not the case. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, like I said, I'm going to hope that that's... That's not the case, and that, uh, and that, you know, that that there that that there aren't people that are orchestrating something like this. I don't want to say I'm gonna stick my head in the ground. I'm just saying uh, until I hear anything, any concrete facts on it, then uh, I don't I don't wish to believe that of my of my government. All right. Well, listen, we're gonna get into. Uh, we're going to get into talking about uh, the bug out bag. Before I let you go, do you have uh, do you have anything that you'd like to uh, any comments you'd like to make on on your own preparations, your own uh, survival bag? Do you keep a bag handy that uh, has a bag your handy, gear in it? Keep a bag handy, um, or I always carry. And uh, okay, well, yeah, what do you keep a... in your bag? Oh, three days worth of food. All my meds, emergency shelter, water treatment, minor cooking utensils, you know, mess kit and, and gear. Uh, I don't use a camel pack. I still use a canteen and cup, and I've got the little stove that goes under the cup. 
uh, so you can heat rations up. Um, you know, incidentals, masking tape, wire, fish hooks, certainly a compass, uh, another speed loader, a couple magazines for my 45. Uh, and in the car, I always keep a couple gallons of water. Uh, my bug out bag stays there most of the time. Carry an AR-15 in the trunk with uh, eight 30-round mags loaded. So I'm gonna get home, and if I don't, it's not for want of trying. So. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Enjoy thanks, talking uh, with you. Thanks for calling in. Yep. Now I'm just gonna sit on the sideline here if I can. Okay. I'm not gonna hang up. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put you back here in the queue. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, some way to mute. And be sure and Thank call you. in anytime you want. Okay. All right, uh, and uh, the rest of you guys, you're welcome to call in. We've got another, uh, we've got all, over, a little over 40 lines left if you'd like to call in. The number is 347 308 347-308-8790. All right. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, you'll hear folks talking all the time about uh, about bug out bags, and uh, and the, the name is uh, the term has become kind of uh, a generic one for a survival bag or a, or a go bag or anything like that. And certainly, the reasons that folks keep the bags are going to be uh, varied, uh, and the purposes that they have are. are, are are going to be varied also as far as the specific purposes. Uh, but you should have a survival bag. I'm not going to call it a, a bug-out bag. or I'll call it a survival bag or a go-bag. Uh, because a bug-out bag, the, the, the true uh, meaning of the term bug-out bag is for, is for you to, to get out of the area, to bug out. And, uh, and usually a bug-out is... Uh, uh, you know, at the uh, at the 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 sharpest point of its definition would be something where where you had to to get out immediately. You know, the term "bug out" originally originated in uh, uh, I think near the end of World War II or the beginning of Korea, and what it was what it was meant to describe was whenever you had to leave your positions immediately. When you had to drop everything and go, when you're about to be, you were about to be overrun, or you were in the process of being overrun by the enemy, and you had to bug out, you had to to take off immediately. And uh, way back in the in the ancient ages, whenever I was in the, the the military, I started off with a an artillery unit, and of course, uh, I'm, the artillery units back then, at least our units. Uh, uh, had a uh, a very well practiced bug out drill, and this was <clears throat> at the time uh, the anti artillery radar, anti artillery radar units could pinpoint your position very rapidly and very accurately uh, with just a few shells being fired. So what we used to do is we used to practice rolling into a place and 
they would set up the guns, uh, fire uh, uh, fire a couple of rounds uh, from the battery, and then they would bug out because <clears throat> the idea was that uh, you would have just enough time to come in, you'd get everything ready, you'd get set up to fire the mission, you'd fire it, and then you would have to immediately grab everything and take off because the idea was that uh, when you were when you were firing your mission, that those shells would be tracked and that uh, the anti-artillery radar would be getting reverse tracks from the uh, flight path of the shells, would pinpoint the location, send that data to their guns, and then begin firing missions on your battery. So the idea was to roll into place, get that up very quickly, and then once the guns and everything were all set up, then they would strike everything, uh, everything that except that was absolutely necessary to fire the immediate uh, gun missions. They'd already strike everything, pack everything back up. They would fire those missions, and then they would take off and uh, and dash out. And that was our bug after all. We have the same thing for your individuals, for the families. And the idea is that uh, that that something happens and uh, you don't have time to pack a bunch of stuff up. You've got to go. You've got to get out and you've got to go. Or, and that's the, 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 the bug out plan then, that you've got to leave where, wherever you are and take off uh, by foot or vehicle and and carry whatever you need with you <clears throat> in your bug out bag. So, uh, but that's not really what I want to talk about tonight. What I want to talk about is more the survival or go bag. These are the bags that you would carry with you. Uh, you would have it packed, of course, here at home, but you would also carry it with you if you're if you're going to go somewhere on a road trip or uh, something like that. If you're if you're going to go camping, it would be part of your camping gear. And your go bags would have. Uh, uh, like I said, it, 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 the the different bags will be set up according to whatever your specific uh, where you're where you live, uh, what you're doing, uh, different things like that. Even the time of year, uh, you know, the weather and the time of year would go into consideration. Now, the 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 main items in the bag would be in there regardless of uh of location and time of year, et cetera. But uh let's talk about some of the things that uh that you would want to have in your bag. And the way that the bag that I use, I don't use I have some military bags, but I don't use the military bags as my go bags or survival bags or my uh, or even for my bug out bag, I don't use a military bag because because I don't want to uh, I don't want to look like like I'm in the military or that uh, or that I have a bunch of neat stuff that somebody else may want. Uh, I try and look as plain as possible. In fact, one of the things I have in my bag is in my go bag and in my bug out bag is uh, I bought a bunch of the uh, old uh, New York NYPD hats. There's plain blue ball caps with the NYPD uh, 
logo on the front. And uh, I got that because it's that's that's a lot different than having some type of a camo hat on or an NRA hat or or anything like that. Uh, and the bags I use are pretty much nondescript bags also. I'm trying to get good quality bags. And uh, I've got a, a five or six right now that I'm using. Uh, there are bags that my wife bought uh, the kids, you know, over the last few years. Uh, she would have uh, some bags, like, custom-made for them and and have their names embroidered on them and stuff like that. But after a year or two, bags would get a little bit worn. They're still in good shape, but they're very quality-made bags. But they would be a little bit worn and, uh, and you know, kind of uh, had some miles on them. And so I took those, and, I, and those now have become... Uh, our survival and go bags. Uh, and I've got, uh, I've probably got about, I would say at least a dozen of the survival and go bags. And each one has some of the, uh, some of the same type of stuff in it. And uh, one of the things I would start off with is making sure that you had uh, some type of rations or food in the bag. It doesn't have to be a lot. So you're not going to be able to carry a lot. The bags aren't big bags. And they're not going to hold a lot of food. And you're not trying to do that. You're trying to, you're trying to, with a go bag or a survival bag, you're just trying to put a buffer between you and the nothingness. All right, you and hunger, you and nothingness, you and not having any supplies. All right, you're trying to give yourself the uh, a good uh, baseline buffer between the two. So what you can do is you can get. Uh, Get some long-term storage food, and you can do this in in several ways. Uh, you can go on to uh, several of these storage, uh, the dried food storage food places, and buy uh, rations there. You can go to eBay or other places. And uh, I was talking to Bill Cronk and uh, Larry Coonrad the other day on a range day. We we're working at the range day, and they were talking that you could buy the uh, individual packets from NMREs now. And that they were fairly inexpensive, I think like ninety nine cents or something for the for the bread package in the MREs. That's uh, different kinds of bread there and there, the tortillas and, and and different kinds of bread. Anyway, you can buy the individual slices. I wouldn't try and put a bunch of whole MREs, unopened MREs in my go bag because they're pretty bulky and there's a lot of stuff that, that you're really not going to need. I would bust the the MREs down, or I'll just buy uh, individual things that I want and take those individual foods and put them in there. I'll try and put, I'll try and get enough for three days of food in my go bag. All right, that's uh, and I would try and get, I try and run that up close to nine thousand calories. Uh, you're gonna need, uh, you're gonna need about two thousand calories a day for sustenance. But if you're in a situation where you're having to carry a go bag, then you're probably going to have to be doing more than just sitting in the shade or sitting in your recliner. So I try and I would try and work it out so that I had uh, some high calorie, high caloric uh, value foods in there, and that I was pushing it up right around 9,000 calories, and. Uh, 
and make it some varied things. And a lot of my grow bags, I carry sardines because I think I told you guys, sardines, I like sardines. I got nothing against them. I, I'm not, they're not my favorite food either. So that's one of the reasons that I have them in all my, my instructing bags and in my go bags is because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to just crank it open and start gobbling them, uh, you know, when I'm in an apple seed or something because <laughs> I don't like them that much. But I will eat them, and they are good. And they're a good source of uh, uh, a good source of calories and protein. Uh, I think that I would, uh, if I'm going to get the sardines and store them, I've got uh, the oil sardines in my bag because I want the extra calories from that fat and the oil. And uh, and then you have the uh, uh, the EFR bars, the emergency food ration bars. Uh, you can purchase those, and what they try and do though, there with those is they they try and and hammer in uh, a bunch of calories into one block of uh, rations, so that you've got the it's got as as many calories as they can cram into that uh, block of rations. And it may not be the best tasting food, but we're not we're not telling you you have to live the rest of your life on this. This is just something to put into your go bag so that you can. You will have calories that you can consume when you need them. And most of the EFR bars, I think, have uh, plenty of other, uh, uh, the way that they're packed and they're set up, uh, they have a pretty a pretty decent uh, shelf life in them. All right, so make sure that you've got, uh, you have uh, food that you can eat. And uh, some people... Take uh, food that they that you will have to prepare. You can do that. Things like rice and stuff like that. You can do that. But my only consideration on that would be is if you take food that has to be prepared, then then it has several things that goes with it. One, you'll have to prepare it. It takes time. A lot of times, that'll take uh, fire, uh, water, a container, stuff like that. So as far as uh, prepping food, certainly you'll want to add rice. Uh, I've got who knows how many pounds, maybe 400 pounds now of rice. I would certainly want, uh, certainly advise you to keep rice and stuff like that at your locations. I just wouldn't advise you to use it uh, in your go bag just because it uh, uh it has to be prepared. Uh, all right, Sam. I saw that. I see that we. Uh, I see that we lost some of the phones. That uh, those guys were just listening as far as the notes that I saw on the switchboard. The switchboard didn't dump us, did it? No, uh, they, they hung up on their own. Okay, I just wanted to make sure none. And uh, we still have, uh, we'll still have uh, 48 lines. Uh, if you guys want to call in, three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Okay, so just have some food. Have uh, have about three days worth of food that you can count on, about nine thousand calories, and uh, try and keep. The food items as small as you can. Try and, and get foods where they have the calories packed really densely into them. 
Uh, and water. Now, you can carry water in your go bag or uh, usually uh, my water is in, is in a separate container, right, because water, if you try and carry enough water for a few days in your go bag, that's all you're going to be able to hold. You need about a gallon a day. So if you carry three gallons of water, it's not all going to fit in your go bag. Instead, uh, get yourself, what I would advise, get yourself a nice, inexpensive uh, camelback-style carrier uh, to carry your water in because you're going to want a bunch. And then at the same time, uh, since we're here talking about water, make sure that you have a water purification device in your go bag, all right? And uh, I would use, I would, I would, Allocate space uh, for multiple types of water purification. I'd make sure that I had some uh, one of the containers of iodine capsules in there. Uh, I would probably uh, have two of the water filters because that's what I have in mind. I've got the hand pump catadine, and then I've got the uh, I can't remember. I think it's called Life Force now. I think it's a Life Straw, Life Force or Life Straw. Anyways, it's just straw. And uh, that's so I can drink water out of uh, creeks or, or streams or, heck, even just out of uh, uh, water that I find in a house or something because uh, I talked to you guys about this during our water purification discussion the other day. Drinking bad water is one of the worst things you can do, all right? It's one of the most dangerous things that you can do is drink bad water, all right? So because of that, <clears throat> I would make sure that uh, that even water, if it was, uh, if there were times I was worried about, that if you're, if you're drinking uh, water from a... Uh, water fountain in Walmart, I guess that's okay. Uh, but any other water source, you need to make sure that you are making the water safe to drink. And that's, that's any water that you did not physically see it being purified or, or being made safe to drink, then you have, that water has to be suspect. And you cannot take a chance on drinking bad water. Now, if you, whatever your reason is that you have your go bag on, if it's that you're lost in the woods or, or you've had to make a run for it, whatever the case, you cannot afford to drink some bad water and then get ill from it. So make sure that you have uh, ways to treat and purify the water that you're going to drink in your go bag. If all I could take, if if I could only take one thing with me. If I had to run out the door and I could only take one thing in some kind of end-of-the-world situation, it wouldn't be a knife, it wouldn't be a gun. It would be a water filtration device, something that I could uh, ensure that I was drinking clean water in. The rest of the stuff I can get. I I can break a tree branch and rub it on a rock or, or, you know, and get a sharp point on it 
for a spear, anything, something. And then hopefully that will get me the rest of the stuff that I need. But I'm not going to do anything. I don't care if i got a rifle. I'm not going to be doing anything if I'm laying there with amoebic dysentery and I'm and I'm expelling my insides. Uh, it's not going to work. So make sure that you have your water purification devices in your bag. Then have some way to carry water with you. Uh, and... You know, it doesn't have to get, it doesn't have to be uh, expensive. It doesn't have to be fancy. I see a lot of folks, and I, I do it myself uh, quite often, uh, is whenever I head out the door and I'm going to be gone all day and I want water, I, I just take a milk jug, a milk jug that I've cleaned out really good. And I've cleaned out the inside of it with Clorox and stuff. I'll take a milk jug uh with water in it, and I'll just carry it by hand. That's what I'll carry. Uh, if you can get uh, some other kind of carrier, great. If you want to use a canteen, that's great. Canteens just, they don't carry that much water. They, they'll they carry a, uh, a quart of water. And like I said, you really, you're going to need a gallon a day, and that's for sitting under a tree at 90 degrees uh, or at 70 degrees, sitting under a tree at 70 degrees. Uh, any... Anything else you're going to do means you need more water. So you're going to have to carry a bunch of water or find water and purify it, all right? So figure out what you're going to use to carry your water with and have water right there with your go bag. But make sure you have some type of water purification devices in your go bag. Uh, I make sure that... uh, then I have uh, some type of fire gear in my bags. And once again, I make sure that usually that I have multiple types of fire gear because a fire might be uh, it might be one of the only ways that you can uh, purify water by boiling it. Uh, or if you get any, if you have to, uh, uh, say, get your food with a snare or a trap, uh, you can eat raw rats and raw rabbits and stuff like that. I wouldn't recommend it, uh, and uh, especially not at different times of the year because uh, sometimes animals carry uh, parasites and other diseases with them, and uh, and even if they don't, if you're not careful during your cleaning of the animal and you're preparing it for uh, for eating if it's not uh if it has some e coli or or anything else that you've managed to get on it <clears throat> you're gonna be in bad shape if you chomp that down so I'd recommend some way of cooking it. And the only way, the, really, the, the only way you're going to cook it is just some type of fire. And if it's winter or cold weather, it doesn't have to be that cold. It only needs to be about 65 degrees, 68 degrees, and you to be just moderately damp, not even soaking wet. That's 65 degrees and, and damp. And uh, after a couple of hours of that, you're going to start getting uh, hypothermia. So you're going to have to make sure that you have some way 
to start a fire. And when we're talking about fire starting last, uh, uh, was it last week or week before last, remember what I was telling you about that is that you can't just depend on or matches or a lighter or something like that, all right? The best thing would be to have several uh, ways to start a fire with you and some type of tinder. And the tinder it would be the the thing that you use to catch the spark or to catch the flame and get it going in order to light the larger items. And uh, remember we talked about uh, making our own tinder uh, last time, making it out of uh, paraffin and sawdust, or you can take uh, uh, cotton balls and Vaseline, uh, anything that that you will be able to light, uh, in many cases, even when it's damp. So make sure that you have some fire starting equipment in your go bag, and uh, I would make sure that I had several kinds. I'd make sure that I had uh, uh, lighters, <clears throat> uh, that I had a flint and steel or a striker match. Uh, you can have some of the, uh, and I saw some uh, good ones uh, uh, yesterday or day before yesterday at Walmart, I believe. <laughs> Just a nice, cheap, uh, striking uh, matches. Are there the strikable tinder, right? It's the, uh, the sawdust and uh, paraffin or sawdust and some other uh, type of amalgam that uh, holds the sawdust together, and the end of it is a match head. So you strike the match head, and then it'll start burning that tinder, and you can use that to start your uh, your next larger items or to dry out the material that you're using to get your fire started, all right? So carry a lighter, uh, some fire-starting tinder, uh, maybe a flint and steel in there. It doesn't take up a whole lot of space, uh, and it doesn't weigh a lot. I think that the uh, – I think that I was looking at the weight, and all together I think the the fire-starting tender and the uh, and the butane lighter and the flint and steel all together was uh, a little under four ounces, all right? So that's still not bad. <clears throat> all right, you've got your – your food, your water, your fire, and then now let's look at some additional clothing. Uh, there's going to be a few things that you're that you're going to want to at least uh, make sure that you have in there. And one of those that I would recommend would be changes of socks. Uh, your feet. You're going to be on your feet. Uh, more than probably, if you're using all this gear, you're not you're not on a on a train or a bus or a car headed to the hotel. You're on your feet, and if you're depending on your feet uh, to take you somewhere, then you're depending on them for your survival too. Any damage that your feet receive are going to put you in danger. I mean, if you're wearing uh, uh, socks that you've worn for multiple days or they're dirty or they're wet, then you run the risk of getting blisters, uh, of getting a foot rot started. Any of the stuff can, can be a life and death situation. If you can't walk, if you can't get to 
civilization, then you're going to be in bad shape. I would make sure that I had some extra socks. Uh, you can get foot powder and bring it uh, if you want to, if you if you think it will help. Uh, but I would make certain that I had, uh, at a minimum, socks as part of the extra clothing. And remember we talked about when you're packing your bags, <clears throat> that all of these items, everything you put in there, uh, is going to, even if you've got a bag that says it's waterproof, most of the bags aren't because they've got to have zippers and stuff like that for you to access them. Now, most of them will have uh, rain flies on their zippers and stuff like that, a quality bag will, but still water can get in there, water can get through it. So don't don't depend on your bag to keep your stuff dry. Put all your items inside the go bag, inside of uh, some good quality Ziploc bags. And I, I'm not talking about the uh, the little skinny 150 uh, in a package sandwich bags. Go ahead and spend a few extra cents on this. And get some of the decent quality freezer uh, or storage bags. And the the plastic is a lot thicker on that, and they're, they'll last a little bit longer. Uh, they'll be less quick to get a hole or to wear out. And pack your clothing items in that, and that also helps because when you are uh, packing your clothes and stuff, you can put them into the bag, into the Ziploc bags, and then uh, get the bag just about closed except for one part of one corner, and then roll the air out of it. Squeeze that air down out of that bag and then close it up so that it's like vacuum sealed. And now instead of the... Uh, the uh, three pair of socks taking up as much space as like uh, two bananas or something like that, it's only going to take up as much space as a small paperback book. And that will help you with your with your packing to make sure that you've got that room in there. Uh, in addition to this, I, I usually put as, at least, I'll have, uh, usually I'll have four pair of socks, I think, in my bag, in each of the bags. Uh, and then I'll have another, I'll have uh, usually two pair of underwear to go with it, two T-shirts, and then depending on the, the time of year, uh, I usually have a long sleeve shirt and or a sweater. And they get packed the same way. They go into the Ziploc bag. I'll just use a larger bag. And then they're stacked like uh, sheaves of paper. <clears throat> uh, when you're looking at things like... Uh, like sweaters, try and go for uh, a wool sweater if you can. I go to the garage sales when I'm in New York because that's uh, one of the cold weather states. And uh, when I'm there in the summer, uh, everybody's getting rid of their their cold weather gear and because everybody has to buy a bunch of it. And uh, you can usually pick up really great stuff. I usually will buy a, a really nice Carhartt uh, jacket, one of the big heavy-duty ones, and you don't pay any more than about four or five bucks for it. But while I'm there, I usually try and pick up uh, a couple of wool sweaters uh, that I can pack away in the go bag. Now, if you're storing wool sweaters in a stack in your house, uh, 
out in the open, I don't recommend that because uh, of the damage that the, that moss can do to the to the wool. But uh, even if you're even if you're just uh, uh, even if everything is is nice and clean and, and dry and everything else, you can still get uh, the moss damage on the wool. So even if you're storing it in your house, I would still recommend you putting it inside of a plastic bag and flattening all the air out and closing it up. But I would have uh, the wool sweaters uh, in my bags because, once again, it doesn't take uh, – the temperature doesn't have to go down very far for you to get cold. Even in the summer uh, in the desert, you know, at the uh, once the, uh, the sun has gone down, and uh, a lot of times the wind will pick up then at night in the desert, you've just gone through uh, the day temperatures, which can, can run up to 100 and – 510, 115, and then at night, it'll cool down to uh, sometimes in the 60s. So now you've got almost a 50-degree drop in temperature, and I don't see why people are surprised when they get uh, when they realize how cold that can be, because if you were, if it was a 70-degree day, and you lost 50 degrees, and it'd be 20 degrees, all right? So you'll get the same thing in the desert, so just the scale will be split up a little bit. You may have a 105, 110-degree day and then a uh, 65 or 75-degree night, and it's going to be chilly. And it's not that the chill is going to kill you, like you're going to get hypothermia and die. You could. What I'm saying is that in situations where your body is stressed and, and you're in some type of survival mode, the last thing you need to do is be burning up calories or not being able to sleep because you're cold. You're going to need that sleep to repair the the damage and the use that was done to your body during the day so that you can move the next day. So you need to be able to sleep through the night, and you're not going to be able to do it if you're shivering. So make sure that you've got uh, a sweater in your bag. And then uh, I told you guys uh, last time that I always make sure that each of my bags has a poncho in it a waterproof military poncho. And I choose the military ones because it's just the cheapest that I could find. You can get a good, uh, let's see, back then when I was buying these all, I was buying the Woodlands camo, you know, the the nice Woodland camo uh, waterproof ponchos from the military. I think those were like, uh, when I was buying them, like in 10 packs, I think they were like uh, three and a half to four dollars a piece. You probably can get even the better ones that they they sell now, the uh, uh, the digital camo ones that they're using. You can probably start. I haven't checked to see what what the prices are, but I'm sure you can get those fairly inexpensively too. You can also go to places like uh, uh, Sportsman's Guide or Cheaper Than Dirt and stuff like that. And usually they'll have they'll have bought uh, some foreign military's uh, gear like that up, and they're they'll transfer the savings over to you by purchasing it there. And if not, there's always eBay. Ebay, you can go to Ebay anytime you need old military gear, and uh, you can purchase it uh, fairly inexpensively there. So get a poncho for each of your bags. Now, besides just the ponchos, each of the bags, I also carry uh, one of those space blankets, you know, the the first aid space blankets they make. Now, I carry that as part of my first aid uh, gear, but at the same time, you know, if you, if you need that, if you don't have any other way to stay warm, you wrap up in that blanket and uh, the reflective blankets, then that will help 
uh, conserve your body heat, all right? So I would make sure that that I have one of those in my bags. Now, uh, we're going to, and what we'll do in just a minute, we'll talk about the first aid part of it because we'll just, we'll segue from the bags into first aid by talking about that. So that would be what I would go to next. But let's finish up talking about the bags and then we'll, we'll talk about the first aid uh, kits in your bags and about, uh, about your first aid and medical prep. All right. Okay. So now you've got the, uh, the food, uh, water, water purification. Uh, you've got, uh, the fire starting gear and now you've got some clothing in the way of, uh, maybe some extra socks, uh, underwear, t-shirts, uh, maybe a sweater, a poncho, and, uh, one of those, uh, heat retaining foil blankets. All right. Uh, in addition to that, uh, in my bags, I have Leatherman's. Uh, all of the the plain bags just get plain Leatherman's. They're not inexpensive ones. You can go to eBay. You can get them off there. Or if you have, uh, if you know somebody that's working at the bus stations or the airports or something, maybe they can fly to you some from from work there. But uh, if not, you can you can get the Leatherman's fairly inexpensively from uh, from eBay, and uh, uh, or put them on your your wish list for your birthday or your or Christmas or something. And make sure that you have a multi tool uh, like that in your go bag, all right? Because I can't tell you from the last uh, 35 years of using Leatherman's how many uh, how many Things I've gotten myself in and out of uh, with the Leatherman, all right, with a multi-tool. So I'd make sure that I have a multi-tool on there. Uh, I also make sure that in each of the bags uh, that I have uh, a good little roll of the 550 cord, a parachute cord. And uh, I think that I put uh, 75 feet in each of the bags of the parachute cord, and then another 75 feet of uh, the cotton, uh, the hard cotton twine. Uh, it is uh, well, about as thick as a pencil lead, and uh, and I put another 75 feet in there for that because. The uh, there there's always going to be a need for some type of cordage. Cordage is very very important as part of part of your survival gear. You can fish with it. You can uh, make snares. You can use it to help you uh, build shelter. On and on. Uh, all of the all of the bags have a pretty good amount of cordage in them. And mainly I use 550 cord, and that's because I bought a couple of the big rolls. I don't remember how much was on the rolls, 1,500 feet, something like that on each roll. I bought a couple of the rolls, and then uh, uh, and then I cut out uh, 75 uh, feet 
and uh, put it in each of the bags. And parachute cord is good because your parachute cord can also be disassembled. Uh, the parachute cord is just that. It's a cord that they use when they're making the lines, the risers, the parachutes. And uh, it's uh, called 550 cord because that's the weight it was designed to take. Each of the strands of cord were designed to uh, to have a 550-pound uh, uh, limit on them. But inside the 550 cord, the way that it's made, is uh, I think it has about eight or nine individual strands and then with a woven sleeve around it. Well, what you can do is you can take some, you can cut uh, the the paracord and you can slide some of the individual lines out of the inside of the parachute cord. And now you have a very fine line that could be used for sewing or for uh, for fishing. Uh, I imagine it could even be used for sewing up a wound if you have a needle in there, which is another thing I always keep in my bag. Uh, so having the cordage in there is very important. Now, in addition to the cordage, uh, I've also taken uh, a, uh, I think it's about 12 feet, about 12 feet of wire. And this is the, the fine wire that uh, comes with the, uh, like with the booby trap kits. Uh, and you can get it just about anywhere, but it's a very fine uh, wire and that is what I use for my snares. Uh, you can use uh, cordage ropes and uh, uh, and stuff like that. You can use that just fine. But the problem is, is that if you're not, if if you didn't get a good uh, snare on the animal, if you didn't get a killing snare on it, then the animal isn't going to just sit there and wait. It's going to try and, and chew whatever's holding it. It's going to try and chew through it. And they can chew through the nylon cords and the cotton cords and stuff like that fairly easy. Uh, the wire, it's a lot harder. So I carry the, the wire that I can so that I can make the snares with it. It doesn't take much room. I take the, the wire and I've made my I've taken the twelve feet of it. I just rolled it up into about the size of a, a little bit bigger than a fifty cent piece as far as circumference. And then I just put that in a uh one of the little tiny uh envelopes and closed it and folded it. It helps protect the wire and keeps it separated. And then that goes into the Ziploc bag with the cordage, with the 550 cord and the, the regular cotton uh, one cord. Uh, a knife. If you don't carry one on you, then you need to have one in your go bag. All right? You're going to need to have a knife in your go bag. Now, I always have my Leatherman on me. Uh, I carry the old-fashioned uh, uh, Super Leatherman. It's the retired model. But you can still find them on eBay, so I've picked up uh, uh, probably about two dozen over the years, and some of them I give out, and uh, and then I always make sure that I have... Uh, 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 a Leatherman, handy, uh, in case I lose one or break it, then I have a replacement. The Leatherman has a knife on it, 
So I have, that gives me my pocket knife, but I still keep a folding knife inside the go bag, and then clipped to the outside of it is a sheath knife. And this sheath knife on most of the bags is a K-bar, just because that's what I like for a knife. K-bar is a good quality knife, a good quality sheath. So I put the sheath onto a carabiner, and I clip it to the outside of the bag, and uh, and then it's just uh uh, it's hanging on the bag, and then on the end of the sheet, on the keyboard sheet, uh, is a hole for tie-down. And I just take uh, some more of the 550 cord, run it through that, and I, uh, I uh, use that to secure it to the bag so it doesn't flop around. But you're going to need a knife. <clears throat> uh, then... You will need, I would make sure that I had something to to cook or to purify water. Now, a while ago I was saying that a canteen, uh, that just a canteen is, is not going to be good enough because you're going to need more than that. All right, now that being said, I have a canteen, the military style canteen. I have a military style canteen and a canteen cup that fits right on it for my go bags, all right, because if I need to boil water to purify it, i got to have something to boil it in. If I'm going to make some deal rat stew, i got to have something to, to cook it in. Uh, if I'm going to make some, uh, hopefully I took some coffee with me. If I'm going to have some coffee, i got to have something to make that in. So you're going to have to have something to cook with. Now, you can use... Uh, you could use a, a mess kit or whatever, and you, you may want to have that in your go bag uh, as far as to eat with and stuff. But I spent years and years just cooking and eating whatever I was going to eat out of a canteen cup. You know, even whenever I would came into the fire base or something, and they had a they had a whole plate full of food that you could get. I still just used my canteen cup. I just told them to put everything in the canteen cup. Put the potatoes in there. Put the green beans in there. Uh, put the meatballs. I'll just dump it all in the canteen cup. I'll swirl it around. I'll eat it. But make sure that you have something that you can cook in. And and I like the canteen cup because I, I could purify water in a little mess kit pan, but it wouldn't be that much. In the canteen cup, I can do uh, uh, a pint of water with each one. So I could uh, quickly boil two pints of water, fill up my one-quart canteen, and uh, and be good to go. Uh, a map and compass. You're going to need to know where you're going or where you've been. So you're going to need to take a map and compass. Now, there doesn't have to be anything... Uh, really expensive or fancy. In, in the bag, I'll tell you, I, I don't have anything expensive or fancy. Uh, in each bag, I have actually have a map of the state of Texas that is uh, it's, uh, the ones that you get from uh, 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 what's the, the, the road company? Uh, you know, the 
I can't think of the name of it now. Anyway, we were members for forever. My wife still remember my my her grandmother used to buy memberships every year and it triple uh, A. That's what it is. I kept wanting to say ARP. I knew it wasn't that. Anyway, triple A. Triple A would uh you would just uh you could write to triple A or stop by their shop and you could pick up all the maps you want. And then every time I go on vacation, I'll pick up maps of all the states that I go through. I'll pick up one every time I stop at a roadside stop. So if I stop at five roadside stops in Texas, I'll pick up five maps, five Texas maps. And each of the bags has a Texas map that's folded in half flat, put inside the Ziploc storage bag with the air pressed out, and then uh, a decent compass. All right? Like I said, it doesn't. you don't have to have a whole bunch of the military lens added compasses with tritium uh, uh, dials. You could just have a, just a nice, plain, cheap, used uh, Silver Ranger. Those will be just as good. You can pick those up for about 10 or 12 bucks on eBay, all right? But get a quality compass, uh, a cheap plastic compass is going to do you more damage than good. If that compass has you walking in circles and you have to walk uh, 15 miles, to get to the five miles because you're you're walking on bad uh, directions and it's no good. Get a decent compass and a decent map. And uh, and the Texas maps, by, like I said, are fine for me. Now I have other maps that I usually what I do now is I'll make the maps myself. I just do that by going to uh, uh, Google Earth and. And figuring out the area that I want to look at, and I'll make uh, the maps in whatever uh, uh, whatever size that I want them to be, and uh, and you could even make uh, fairly large maps if you wanted to, just by downloading the maps in sections and then cutting them and gluing them together, and then putting acetate on them if that's what you want to do. Uh, I think that there's good ways to get uh, maps now fairly inexpensively, but because I'm cheap and because I'm already paying for the satellite service and the printers and ink and stuff, uh, I usually just make my own maps. And and you don't even have to do that if you go to the gas station or wherever, or you go to the uh, the state uh, rest stops, and they will give you the map of the state you're in free. All right. So I make sure I do that because that way you've got a good, decent map. It doesn't show every single thing uh, on the map. It doesn't show contours and all the rest of the stuff and elevations and stuff. But it will certainly, that that map, that road map and a compass can get you home, all right? So make sure that you have a map and a compass as part of your gear in your bag. That's going to be wherever you are. It's where you need the map for, all right? Unless you know exactly where you're going or where you're going to be, then you can you can grab some the map of that area. Uh, I also carry. Well, let me. I'll, well, let me just go ahead and I'll put this in now. Is uh, I told you uh, last uh, last time we talked. In addition to the ponchos. Uh, I also have the tarps, and uh, you can get the tarps very inexpensively, very easily by by going to uh, places like Harbor Freight. They'll have the uh, tarps on sale, 
and you can buy the, uh, I think it's like five foot by six foot or five by seven foot uh, for four bucks, all right? And uh, you can take that tarp and fold it flat inside your, fold it flat inside your bag. And the way I do it is I fold it, fold the uh, tarp up so that it is the same side as the inside of the bag. And then that is what goes uh, to the back of the bag that would go against my back. That way, any of the rest of the stuff that I put in there has a tarp between my back and the rest of the gear, right? And then hand sanitizer. Uh, And I'm not telling you to use the hand sanitizer because because I want you to be... uh, you know, nice and clean. Well, yeah, I am. I'm telling you that because I want you to be nice and and germ-free. You're not going to be, you're probably not going to be at a sink with a bar of soap uh, a couple of times a day. All right? Uh, You're going to have to depend on something else to, to make sure that your hands are clean. All right? Because your hands, the reason that people tell you to keep your hands clean is because that that is the way that germs are going to be spread. Uh, you're going to have to be doing things uh, in a survival situation that you probably wouldn't normally do, and you're not going to have, like I said, you're not going to have a, a sink uh, every 50 feet that you can use to wash your hands and stuff. Uh, you'll have to be going to the bathroom outside and uh, and uh, cleaning game that you've caught, uh, and, you know, digging for uh, for tubers or, or you know what, whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to get dirty. And especially especially the E. coli problem there. If you put your dirty E. coli hands and you're wiping the sweat off your face with the back of your hand, and you manage to swing some E. coli in your mouth, then it's going to be bad news, all right? So I make sure that I've got a uh, just a little container of the, of the hand sanitizer in the bag. I can pop that out. I can wash my hands down really good with that, and that'll clear the the bacteria uh, and stuff on my hands off, and and I'll be good to go, all right? Uh, Fishing lures and a line. Uh, I told you, you can can take uh, some of the interior lines out of the 550 cord if you need to in order to make you some, uh, some fishing lines, but... There's really no reason to do that because the fishing line itself will take up so little room that you can go ahead and pre-make those. And uh, what I've done with those is I've taken, you know, you've got the little plastic bags that, uh, like when you're at the Walmart uh, at the fishing area there, you know, you can buy some of those little plastic bags of uh, uh, sinker weights and stuff like that. They're little, little tiny Ziploc bags. 
well, I've taken a few of those, and I've just made up like uh, four or five lines, and uh, I've made up two or three lines that uh, are fairly uh, fairly fine-sized monofilament, like uh, 12 pounds, and then put a couple of the, the very small brim hooks on there, and uh, and then in addition to the brim hooks, uh, I put a couple of small flies, uh, fly fishing flies, in the bag. Because certainly at different times of the year, you can very easily catch enough brim, uh, you know, and perch for yourself and three or four other folks uh, just out of uh, an hour of fishing. You know, some of these some of these smaller stock tanks and the deep holes in the creeks and stuff like that uh, will yield, uh, will very easily and readily yield uh, a good meal. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a fancy setup. It can be a branch that you uh, that you cut to make for your fishing pole. And then you take that pre-made line, you tie it to the end, it's got the fishing fly on it, and you just uh, start uh, dobbing that into the water uh, like a jig, and you can catch enough rim, enough perch uh, for a meal that way. And then I make sure I have a couple of other uh, larger hooks and a couple of weights in there too. And uh, those can be used along with the 550, uh, the 550 quarters from that cotton cord uh, to make like a uh, catfish line. You can bait it with... Uh, you know, a handful of uh, grasshoppers or something like that, and drop that line into a creek or a stock tank or something, let it sit on the bottom, and uh, you don't even have to be there. You can set that line and, and then go off on the, your, the rest of your food gathering, and hopefully you can you'll might be able to catch uh, some type of a bottom feeder like a catfish. So I make sure that I have enough uh, uh, some fish lines and hooks Fishing line's already made up, and then some extra stuff in there into the uh, into the fishing gear. And then all of that, like I said, I put it into the plastic uh, the plastic little plastic Ziploc envelopes. Then I take that and I just kind of fold it or scrunch it a little bit, and then that goes into a uh, like a plastic uh, medicine bottles, plastic fill containers. Uh, in addition, I take some duct tape, and uh, I don't take a whole roll of it. I mean, I do in, in my big kits, like in my in what I would call the go bag, or the bug out bag. Yes, I got a couple of rolls of duct tape. <clears throat> but in my my survival bag or my go bag, I've just taken a pencil, and I've wrapped uh, about uh, five yards. Uh, I mean, uh, five feet of duct tape around. The pistol and the duct tape that could be used for any number of things. All right, it can be used. Uh, they've got they've got books written now about uh, about what you can make duct tape make out of duct tape. All right, uh, and the the list of stuff uh, can go on and on. The what I've given you is the, the basic essentials of it. Now, depending on where you are, is going to determine a lot more of what you 
or what you're taking and how you're putting it in there. Maybe if you're living out in the middle of the desert, you're not taking as much fishing gear, right? Maybe you're taking uh, uh, something else. Maybe you're taking some solar stuff. Uh, some of the things that some people add are uh, are just that, are like solar chargers. You can buy the little the portable solar chargers now so that you could uh, charge your phone. If you're out in the wilderness, you could charge your phone with uh, solar power, uh, and that would allow you to use uh, the GPS on your phone to help you get out of wherever you are. If not, if you don't have any way to get uh, power for it, then then you're out of luck. When it goes out, it goes out. That's it. Uh, so some people will put uh, solar power chargers in there. I don't have. I don't use that. What I have is a hand crank, uh, one of the newer hand crank flashlights that also has uh, uh, the USB port in it. So you can plug it in that way and sit there and you can crank a charge up on your phone. That leads to the next thing, and that is having a flashlight. Uh, I think it's very, very important for you to have a flashlight uh, in your go bag, in your survival bag. There's going to be, you're going to drop something at night and you're going to have to find it. Uh, you may have to walk down a trail at night, and and even little things like uh, like stepping, uh, tripping on a rock or something like that. Something that sprains your ankle, or uh, or damages your foot or your leg where you can't move is a disaster. Uh, make sure that you have some kind of a light. Now, for my go bags, uh, I don't. I don't use the batteries anymore. I have the hand crank lights, and I really, I, I really can't uh, can't tell you enough about how much how much I like those. And these are the lights. Uh, I'm not sure where you can get them at uh, at different places. Right now, my local Walmart only has the one with the radio in it. I think having a radio is good. Uh, it could help you out with, uh, you know, with knowing what the weather's going to be or something like that. And I'm sure it's a great morale booster. But uh, I just want the rate, just the light on my flashlight. So right now I don't have a, a good place to get them close by because I, I live out in the middle of nowhere. But they do make, uh, Coleman makes them, uh, several people make them. You can Google the hand crank flashlight and you can find a good, uh, a good quality crankable flashlight for about uh, 15 bucks. I think that's about what I paid for each of the ones that I have. It's about 15 bucks a piece. Uh, one of them that I have in my that I have in my own Perfoco bag is running on about uh, eight or nine years now, and uh, I don't use it all the time, but I I use it every time I go somewhere just to make sure that it's still working. I still crank it, and uh, even if it's completely dead. Uh, like eight or nine cranks, eight or nine spins of the crank handle, and I can easily find my car keys or on the ground, or I can see it not to trip on something. Uh, so a flashlight, some form of flashlight is going to be important. Uh, folks also recommend having a signal mirror in your bag. And I do have signal mirrors in 
in all but two of the bags, I think. And uh, and I guess that's uh, now my children are older. I guess it's time I'll go ahead and put uh, some mirrors in, in the two youngest kids' bags. But a signal mirror is is certainly something that you should have in your go bag because uh, if you're out somewhere lost and people are looking for you, uh, uh, it is hard to find somebody. Uh, even if they've got a signal mirror, it's hard. But if you don't, it's almost impossible. I was watching a movie the other night. I don't remember what it was. It was a kind of a hokey movie with uh, about uh, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson, some kind of a special forces kind of movie about uh, some kind of special forces team in Panama or anything. Anyway, they were looking for the, the guys. They were out trying to rescue some guys, and, and they were flying in the helicopter, and they looked down. This is at night. The guys didn't have any gear, I mean, any kind of lighting gear or anything, and it was raining, and they they were looking out the, the window of the helicopter, and they goes, oh, there they are down there. And listen, I'm telling you, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Uh, even if you were, even if you're in the wide open, uh, waving a T-shirt, there's a good chance that they're not going to see you. It's just it's not as easy as you would think. On the ground, it seems pretty easy because you look up and you see the aircraft up there, and it's all by itself, and you're like, they got to see me. They got to see me down here. But it's not as easy as it would appear for you to be seen. <laughs> so I would. Uh, I would advise keeping a signal mirror uh, in your bag and, and of course, make sure you know how to use it. Uh, make sure you know how to use the signal mirror. Uh, I've also I've used mine before to sew up a, uh, a slice I had under my eye, which I wouldn't have been able to do without the mirror, but I had a cut uh, under my, right under my eyebrow, uh, right before the, the curve goes into the eye socket. I messed a little cup there, and I was able to sew that up by looking in the mirror, which, is, once again, it's not uh, easy to do either because it reverses everything. But uh, make sure that you have a, a mirror in your bag. You know, there's plenty of other stuff you can add on. Uh, you name it, you can add it on. You can have an entrenching tool or a shovel uh, either inside the pack, it's a full-up kind, or one that uh, that uh, you can strap on the outside of the pack. Uh, I have a fold-up saw in two of the bags uh, that I can use to uh, cut limbs and stuff like that. Uh, you could uh, carry a hatchet with you or a machete. A lot of what you carry is going to be determined by where you live and what you plan on doing and your level of experience. And also, it's going to be determined by by you going out and doing stuff with the with your survival gear and finding out what you can do and what you can't do and what you need and what you don't need, okay? <laughs> All right. Now... Uh, one of the things, one of the essential things that you, you that you would have to have in your bag, regardless of where you are or what you're going to do or your level of experience or anything else, 
is going to be a first aid kit. Uh, and you're going to need to be able to uh, to treat at least uh, the very uh, basic uh, things out of your, your kit. You'll need uh, <clears throat> uh, Band-Aids. Uh, you'll need, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm looking at mine to see what I've got, uh, what I have in mind. This is uh, just a small uh, kit that goes with, uh, that goes with me. Uh, whenever I'm going either camping or uh, or even if I'm just going to the range, I still stick this in uh, uh, in my bag because uh, anytime you have, uh, anytime you're doing anything with firearms, there's always the possibility that uh, that you could receive some type of injury. All right, so uh, I think that as a as a very basic thing, I would make sure that I had. Uh, some of the antiseptic wipes. Now, you can get those fairly cheaply. And now the ones I'm talking about are the ones that come to individual use. They're in the, like, the little uh, foil containers. And I say that because you can buy the bulkier ones or you could just, or you could make one with some antiseptic and uh, uh, and a gauze pad, but, but why? They already have these. These are already made up. Uh, you can pop it open just the one that you need, and use it to clean the uh, the wound or the uh, affected area. Uh, I would also make sure that I had some antibacterial ointment. And uh, I talked to different doctors about this, uh, you know, especially the the stuff like the triple antibiotic ointment, stuff like that, and. Uh, and there, some of the doctors' opinions were that you didn't need that until you got an infection. But uh, I use it anyway because I use it, I guess, the same way you could use just Vaseline if you wanted. Say you you just get a cut, just a regular everyday cut, then I always take the antibiotic ointment. I pack the cut with it and put a Band-Aid on. And... Uh, and that makes the healing time a lot faster. And uh, I thought that it was because of the antibacteria stuff in it, but the reality is is this that the the carrier, the base stuff, which is probably close to what's in a uh, uh, in any ointment, anything like the uh, 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 what's it called, the you know, the big uh, containers of, of appointment. Anyway, that packs the wound and keeps anything else from getting into it. You put the band-aid on to cover that, and then uh, that will allow the the wound to heal up a lot quicker and to keep you from getting any uh, uh, any contaminants into the wound. And I, I think it's very important that uh, even if you get a small wound, a small cut or nick or something, that you go ahead and put the packet with the antibacterial ointment and cover it with a Band-Aid because even just a, a little nick or cut can get infected 
And once it gets infected, man, just a small cut or nick can put your hand or you know out of commission, and it can end up killing you. I mean, I got a uh, I got a cut between two of my fingers uh, back in you know the early 70s. I, I stuck my hand down in an armadillo hole to drag out an armadillo, and uh, the armadillo's claw scratched in between my little finger and my ring finger. It wasn't, it wasn't anything big. It was just a, a little scratch in between the two fingers. And uh, and this was on the day I was getting ready to leave to go to Mineral Wells to go dove hunting. And uh, by the second day, the hand was swollen really big. I had a high fever and ended up having to go to the hospital. Just a little, a little nick that I got from the claw of an armadillo, which which you may well get too, because you may want to pull an armadillo out of a hole and eat it. My point is that even just small cuts and scrapes uh, can lead to, to some dangerous places. So make sure you've got Band-Aids, you've got the antiseptic wipes so you can clean the wound, and then you can put some... Uh, uh, antiseptic ointment on it, antibacterial ointment, and uh, uh, and then a bandage to cover it. Uh, and you can get, uh, I would get, uh, what I do for my first aid kit is I, I bought uh, like two packages of the assorted size bandages. And these have the, you know, they have all different sizes. They have the, you know, the large ones, the small ones, the knuckle bandages, the little circular bandages, stuff like that. I bought two containers of those, uh, maybe it was three. Yeah, I think it was three uh, for a dollar a piece at the dollar store. Now, make sure that I get the fabric bandages because they they will last a lot better than the plastic ones or the cloth ones, I mean, the, uh, the paper ones. I get the fabric bandages, and uh, then I take those out of the box. I slide them into a, a Ziploc storage bag and press the air out. So now I've got just a, a thin sheaf uh, of the bandages. I can see what I've got in there, and uh, uh, inside that I also have one of those little cards of the butterfly bandages. That's so that uh, if you've got a, uh, a cut somewhere, and these are these work good, especially on the face, and you need to keep a a cut closed, and you can use uh, like the butterfly butterfly or stera strip uh, bandages. Uh, some of the the non-stick sterile pads, you know, they're coming like the four by four or three by three uh, gauze pads, uh, individually wrapped. Uh, I've got eight of those in the kit, and once again, I've taken them out of the box, put them into a Ziploc pad so it doesn't take up as much room, and uh, then, of course, I've gotten right across the top of the lip. I wrote with uh, uh, Sharpie, black magic marker, what was in it, <clears throat> uh, and those can be used in any number of uh, uh, of things uh, can be covered with the larger non-stick uh, sterile pads. Usually those, they're 4x4, four four, but usually you can unfold them and get a larger size. So say you've got a uh, a big area that's got a rash from uh, 
poison ivy or something, you can open the pad up and apply it to the to the rash, and then some medical adhesive tape, and then tape it on with that. So make sure you have a uh, a roll of the medical adhesive tape. Now, in my in my big eight kits that I carry with me, I, what I did is I bought the uh, I bought the carton of like 1,000 rolls, uh, and those are the the rolls that only have like about uh, I don't know 15 or 20 inches on each roll, and that's because if you're treating a whole this goes with like for the professional folks that are uh, you know that are treating different wounds and stuff. If you're treating a bunch of wounds, if you've got a uh, like a 10-yard roll of uh, the medical adhesive tape, and you get it bloody, then you just you just ruin the whole 10 yards with your bloody hands. Uh, and so the little tiny rolls are made so that you can pop those out, and even if you get it bloody, then it's bloody, whatever. But for your own individual use, go ahead and get one of the larger uh, rolls of the medical adhesive tape, like a five-yard or ten-yard roll. Uh, get a couple of uh, sheets of moleskin and take those out of the box. Put them into a Ziploc container because, like I said earlier, with the, when we're talking about carrying extra socks, if you're going to get, if you're getting a blister on your foot, the blister uh, once it's once you've made the blister and it it pops off and tears open, then the blister area and the, the the blister, a walking blister, is no not really any different than a burn blister from from a fire, right? And uh, the, any type of a burn blister is, are are notoriously prone to infections. So if you're walking and uh, you come to a, a a a break and you should be popping your shoes and socks off, letting your feet get air, kind of drying the socks out. You turn them inside out, shake them, shake them real good to, to keep uh, sand or anything else from uh, building up inside the socks. Clean your feet off. If you see a place on your foot that's starting to get raw or rubbed or uh, or that looks irritated, cut a piece of mold, a mold skin and apply it to that area. Once a blister is done, it's done. Not much you can do about it, but try and keep the blisters from occurring uh, by putting the mole skin on preemptively, all right? So make sure you got a couple of sheets of that. Ibuprofen. Uh, I carry a uh, container that uh, has uh, 250 ibuprofen in it. Uh, ibuprofen is really good for the the aches and pains you may have from any kind of inflammation that may develop uh, from you from your walking, uh, uh, any kind of bruises or anything like that. The ibuprofen is really good for that. If you get a, if you start to get a fever in the woods, then you can use the ibuprofen to help relieve or or to suppress the fever just a bit. Uh, then I also make sure that I have uh, some wound care. I mean, some uh, uh, some first aid tools, and that uh, just a, by a minimum is just a small set of scissors, uh, a couple of pair of tweezers, uh, some safety pins, uh, and then I also carry a couple of scalpel blades. I don't carry the whole thing. I don't have the handle because the handle's big and heavy and stuff like that. I I do in my regular 
in my regular kits, my regular full-size kits. I carry the handles. But I carry the just the blades. You know, the, the scalpels were made so you can uh, replace the blades. It's just like a razor blade. Uh, and it's uh, kept sterile inside a foil covering. Uh, so if I need to use it, I just peel the foil covering back from each side, and I form that into like a small handle around the base of the blade. And then you can use the uh, the scalpel for trimming away some damaged flesh or for lancing uh, a ball or a bite or something like that. Uh, the safety pins, the same thing. These are safety pins to help uh, get... Uh, Splinters out and the tweezers the same way. Uh, and then there's also another small bottle of hand sanitizer inside the kit. Uh, that's because, uh, and these, the bottles are really, are, are really, really small bottles, but I want to make sure that, that I have one inside my go bag that I can be using to keep my hands clean during the day if I need to, before I eat or something like that. But then I want to make sure that I have one inside the first aid kit because if I – then I'm not going to be opening the first aid kit all the time. And I'm not going to be using it either. If I get, if I have to do something that I'm going to use the first aid kit for, I need to make sure my hands are clean. So I need to make sure that I've got a container in there of the, uh, of the hand sanitizer. All right? <clears throat> uh, now, you can keep adding on to this with with the things that you think you may need. Now, in addition, uh, I also bought uh, on eBay a while back, I bought, uh, I don't know, four or 500 uh, uh, ready-made uh, suture kits. And that's the, the, the needle the suturing needle with the thread already attached to it. And, you know, a suturing needle doesn't have the thread. It doesn't go through a loophole in the end. Uh, it's made so that it is just one thickness of it. And uh, the kits usually come with uh, about, uh, I don't know, 25, 30 inches of suture. And it'll have a needle on each end, okay? And that way you can uh, you can use... You can use each end of it for, you know, uh, for different times. But I make sure that I have a suture kit inside my first aid kit. Now, I want to, I'll tell you, this is just for emergencies because, uh, because if you, if you were out in the woods and you, you Rambo yourself up and you, sew something up inside you, then you may very well uh, you may very well be doing something that you're never gonna that, that's gonna end up killing you. Uh, I don't recommend sewing yourself up for anything other than as a last resort. All right, if you can get to the doctor, go to the doctor. Don't uh, don't sew something up inside you that will end up killing you, all right? In addition to these items that I'm talking about now uh, for you to put in your first aid gear, 
the most important thing that you're going to do doesn't go in your first aid kit or in your bag. It goes in your head. And that is make sure that you are continuing uh, to improve your first aid, your skills, and your knowledge. That means uh, make sure that you are uh, certified to uh, deliver CPR. Uh, if there's any other classes you can go to, go to them. Uh, YouTube has thousands of videos on it now that deal with all kinds of things uh, medical. Uh, you can you can be using those to help improve your skills and techniques. Uh, make sure that your that your mind is working just as hard as everything else and just as hard as putting the rest of this stuff together. Make sure that you are learning how to use this stuff. Make sure you're learning what to do uh, when someone has a fever or a broken bone uh, or they've stopped breathing or for heat stroke, uh, for hypothermia. Make sure that you understand the the signs uh, of these things, the early warning signs and the actual indications that they have these and that you know how to treat them. Having the first aid gear but no knowledge to use it is no good, okay? All right, so make sure that uh make sure that you are continuing to learn. All right, uh, real quick, uh I want to make sure that uh make sure you guys are doing all that you can to be to promote uh upcoming events, to promote upcoming shoots. I know that uh, uh, I used to do <clears throat> radio shows on promotions all the time. And it was like the guarantee to be the the lowest listened to show, uh, you know, of the month. And, uh, uh, and I haven't done them as much since then, but I know that uh, out of the however many it is, 250 shows uh, that I've done, there must be at least uh, 25 of them that I've done talking about promotions, all right, ways that you can promote upcoming events. Uh, I saw earlier somebody talking about Craigslist. Absolutely. Any of the free ways that you can do it, that's fine. That's great. Uh, Craigslist doesn't cost you anything. Anytime you can put an ad somewhere out for free, do it. It only takes five minutes. When I was telling about the five minutes, if you put an ad on Craigslist, it'll take you five minutes, all right? And then it'll sit there and it'll run for however long it runs. You don't have to do anything else except to answer folks that, that have questions about it. But now it's working uh, like one of your minions. Uh, the same thing with all of the community calendars. You take five minutes a day. You put your your upcoming events on one community calendar a day, and pretty soon your minions will be out there working for you nonstop. Uh, the uh, next show, next Thursday show, I'll make sure that uh, we devote uh, a little bit more time to this about uh, uh, to the promotions thing because. Uh, I, I want to keep telling folks about it, and I hope that folks will will add stuff. And listen, why don't uh, why don't you guys be ready to call in with your promotions, uh, tricks, and techniques too? All right, 
make sure that you are uh that you're calling in with your uh with the stuff that you're doing <clears throat> and one of the main things is make sure that uh, you guys that are out there shoot bossing the events make sure that you are asking every person that attends your event and write it down make sure you're asking everybody that attends the event how they heard about it and uh, and keeping a list of that so that you'll know where the majority of folks are hearing about it. Now, um, without a doubt, it's going to be probably now and forever will always be word of mouth because that is the best way uh, for folks to, to come to an event like this, especially without anything else because word of mouth, uh, being uh, given the information that there's an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event uh, coming up, and they should go to it by a trusted friend or a family member. It's always going to be the best way, and that's uh, one of the one of the only ways that folks will come without any prior exposure to apple seed. And that's uh, on the advice of a trusted friend or family member. So it will always remain that way. But how? But how can we expand those folk they, those numbers so that we can be using the word of mouth? <clears throat> And we'll talk about that uh, this next Thursday. And I want you guys to call in, too, with your tips on it. Uh, before we go, I want to say thanks again to uh, to Sam, uh, who's here every week with me, Sam D., working the, uh, the switchboard. I want to uh, ask you folks to remember the Colorado and New Mexico folks in your prayers. Uh, and the the family and friends of the Naval Yard shootings uh, victims and our nation. Listen, don't forget to pray for our nation. And last, I want to remind folks that uh, the Battle Road USA zombie run and gun is coming up October 12th. It's a 4.5-mile looping trail with eight shooting stations for rifle and pistol, as well as obstacles between the stations that you'll have to negotiate. Now, I have folks all the time uh, telling me that uh, if something happens, I'm going to use this rifle and and this pistol, and and I'm going to carry my mags like this, and I'm going to carry my water like this. I'm going to use this pack. I'm going to wear these shoes. But these folks, they have, they've never gone 100 yards, let alone a couple of miles in it. This gives you a chance to try your gear out. gives you a chance to see how your shooting skills, your stamina, and your gear all have to work together in order for this to work, all right? In addition, we've got the combat carbine course in November, a precision rifle sniper course in November, We've got a squad school coming also in November. So go to BattleRoadUSA.com and uh, check out our coming events. All right? We'll see you guys uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central.
Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.